Section 41 of Mark Twain's Autobiography, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Thursday, April 5, 1906. Ellen Terry's Farewell Banquet on 50th Anniversary. Mr. Clemens's Cablegram. Mr. Clemens has Fine New Idea for a Play. Mr. Hammond Trumbull squelches it. Orion Clemens is defeated as Secretary of State. At Mr. Camp's suggestion, Mr. Clemens speculates unfortunately. Mr. Camp offers to buy Tennessee land for $200,000. Orion refuses. Mr. Clemens just discovers that he still owns 1,000 acres of the Tennessee land. Orion comes east, gets position on Hartford Evening Post. After various business ventures, he returns to Keokuk and tries raising chickens. The other day I furnished a sentiment in response to a man's request, to wit, the noblest work of God, man. Who found it out? Man. I thought it was very good and smart, but the other person didn't. Ellen Terry has been a queen of the English stage for fifty years and will retire from it on the 28th of this month, which will be the 50th anniversary. She will retire in due form at a great banquet in London, and cablegrams meet for the occasion, will flow in upon the banqueters from old friends of hers in America and other formerly distant regions of the earth there are no distant regions now the american cablegrams are being collected by a committee in new york and by request i have furnished mine to do these things by cable at twenty-five cents a word is the modern way and the only way they could go by post at no expense but it wouldn't be good form privately i will remark that they do go by mail dated to suit the requirements cablegram to ellen terry london age has not withered nor custom staled the admiration and affection i have felt for you so many many years i lay them at your honored feet with the strength and freshness of their youth upon them undiminished mark twain she is a lovely character as was also sir henry irving who lately departed this life i first knew them thirty-four years ago in london and thenceforth held them in high esteem and affection Orion Clemens resumed. There were several candidates for all the offices in the gift of the new state of Nevada, save two, United States Senator Governor Nye and Secretary of State Orion Clemens. Nye was certain to get a senatorship, and Orion was so sure to get the secretaryship that no one but him was named for that office. 
but he was hit with one of his spasms of virtue on the very day that the Republican Party was to make its nominations in the convention. Orion refused to go near the convention. He was urged, but all persuasions failed. He said his presence there would be an unfair and improper influence, and that if he was to be nominated the compliment must come to him as a free and unspotted gift. This attitude would have settled his case for him without further effort, but he had another spasm of virtue on the same day, and that made it absolutely sure. It had been his habit for a great many years to change his religion with his shirt, and his ideas about temperance at the same time. He would be a teetotaler for a while, and the champion of the cause. Then he would change to the other side for a time. On nomination day he suddenly changed from a friendly attitude toward whiskey, which was the popular attitude, to uncompromising teetotalism, and went absolutely dry. His friends besought and implored, but all in vain. He could not be persuaded to cross the threshold of a saloon. The paper next morning contained the list of chosen nominees. His name was not in it. He had not received a vote. His rich income ceased when the state government came into power. He was without an occupation. Something had to be done. He put up his sign as attorney at law, but he got no clients. It was strange. It was difficult to account for. I cannot account for it. But if I were going to guess at a solution, I should guess that by the make of him he would examine both sides of a case so diligently and so conscientiously that when he got through with his argument neither he nor a jury would know which side he was on. I think that his client would find out his make in laying his case before him, and would take warning and withdraw it in time to save himself from probable disaster. I had taken up my residence in San Francisco about a year before the time I have just been speaking of. One day I got a tip from Mr. Camp, a bold man who was always making big fortunes in ingenious speculations, and losing them again in the course of six months by other speculative ingenuities. Camp told me to buy some shares in the Hale and Norcross. I bought fifty shares at three hundred dollars a share. I bought on a margin and put up twenty per cent. It exhausted my funds. I wrote Orion and offered him half, and asked him to send his share of the money. I waited and waited. 
He wrote and said he was going to attend to it. The stock went along up pretty briskly. It went higher and higher. It reached a thousand dollars a share. It climbed to two thousand, then to three thousand, then to twice that figure. The money did not come, but I was not disturbed. By and by that stock took a turn and began to gallop down. Then I wrote urgently. Orion answered that he had sent the money long ago, said he had sent it to the Occidental Hotel. I inquired for it. They said it was not there. To cut a long story short, that stock went on down until it fell below the price I had paid for it. Then it began to eat up the margin, and when at last I got out I was very badly crippled. When it was too late I found out what had become of Orion's money. Any other human being would have sent a check, but he sent gold. The hotel clerk put it in the safe and never thought of it again, and there it reposed all this time, enjoying its fatal work, no doubt. Another man might have thought to tell me that the money was not in a letter, but was in an express package, but it never occurred to Orion to do that. Later Mr. Camp gave me another chance. He agreed to buy our Tennessee land for two hundred thousand dollars, pay a part of the money in cash, and give long notes for the rest. His scheme was to import foreigners from grape-growing and wine-making districts in Europe, settle them on the land, and turn it into a wine-growing country. He knew what Mr. Longworth thought of those Tennessee grapes, and was satisfied. I sent the contracts and things to Orion for his signature, he being one of the three heirs, but they arrived at a bad time, in a doubly bad time, in fact. The temperance virtue was temporarily upon him in strong force, and he wrote and said he would not be a party to debauching the country with wine. Also, he said, how could he know whether Mr. Camp was going to deal fairly and honestly with those poor people from Europe or not? And so, without waiting to find out, he quashed the whole trade, and there it fell, never to be brought to life again. The land, from being suddenly worth two hundred thousand dollars, became as suddenly worth what it was before nothing, and taxes to pay. I had paid the taxes and the other expenses for some years, but I dropped the Tennessee land there and have never taken any interest in it since, pecuniarily or otherwise, until yesterday. I had supposed, until yesterday, that Orion had frittered away the last acre and indeed that was his impression. But a gentleman arrived yesterday from Tennessee and brought a map showing that by 
a correction of the ancient surveys we still own a thousand acres in a coal district out of the hundred thousand acres which my father left us when he died in eighteen forty seven the gentleman brought a proposition also he brought a reputable and well-to-do citizen of new york the proposition was that the tennessean gentleman should sell that land that the new york gentleman should pay all the expenses and fight all the lawsuits in case any should turn up and that of such profit as might eventuate the tennessean gentleman should take a third the new yorker a third and sam moffett and his sister mrs charles l webster and i who are the surviving heirs the remaining third this time i hope we shall get rid of the tennessee land for good and all and never hear of it again it was created under a misapprehension my father loaded himself up with it under a misapprehension he unloaded it on to us under a misapprehension and i should like to get rid of the accumulated misapprehensions and what is left of the land as soon as possible i came east in january eighteen sixty seven orion remained in carson city perhaps a year longer then he sold his twelve thousand dollar house and its furniture for thirty five hundred in greenbacks at about thirty per cent discount he and his wife took first-class passage in the steamer for new york in new york they stopped at an expensive hotel explored the city in an expensive way then fled to keokuk and arrived there about as nearly penniless as they were when they had migrated thence in july sixty one about eighteen seventy one or seventy two they came to new york they were obliged to go somewhere orion had been trying to make a living in the law ever since he had arrived from the pacific coast but he had secured only two cases those he was to try free of charge but the possible result will never be known because the parties settled the case out of court without his help i had bought my mother a house in keokuk i was giving her a stated sum monthly and orion another stated sum they all lived together in the house but as i say they came east and orion got a job as proofreader on the new york evening post at ten dollars a week they took a single small room and in it they cooked and lived on that money by and by orion came to hartford and wanted me to get him a place as reporter on a hartford paper here was a chance to try my scheme again and i did it i made him go to the hartford evening post without any letter of introduction and proposed to scrub and sweep 
and do all sorts of things for nothing, on the plea that he didn't need money, but only needed work, and that was what he was pining for. Within six weeks he was on the editorial staff of that paper at twenty dollars a week, and he was worth the money. He was presently called for by some other paper at better wages, but I made him go to the post people and tell them about it. They stood the raise and kept him. It was the pleasantest berth he had ever had in his life. It was an easy berth. He was in every way comfortable. But ill luck came. It was bound to come. A new Republican daily was to be started in Ratlin, Vermont, by a stock company of well-to-do politicians, and they offered Orion the chief editorship at three thousand a year. He was eager to accept. His wife was equally eager, no, twice as eager, three times as eager. My beseechings and reasonings went for nothing. I said, you are as weak as water. Those people will find it out right away. They will easily see that you have no backbone, that they can deal with you as they would deal with a slave. You may last six months, but not longer. Then they will not dismiss you as they would dismiss a gentleman. They will fling you out as they would fling out an intruding tramp. Well, it happened just so. Then Orion and his wife migrated to that persecuted and unoffending Keokuk once more. Orion wrote from there that he was not resuming the law, that he thought that what his health needed was the open air, in some sort of outdoor occupation that his old father-in-law had a strip of ground on the river border a mile above Keokuk with some sort of a house on it, and his idea was to buy that place and start a chicken farm and provide Keokuk with chickens and eggs and perhaps butter, but I don't know whether you can raise butter on a chicken farm or not. He said the place could be had for three thousand dollars cash, and I sent the money. Orion began to raise chickens, and he made a detailed monthly report to me, whereby it appeared that he was able to work off his chickens on the Keokuk people at a dollar and a quarter a pair, but it also appeared that it cost a dollar and sixty cents to raise the pair. This did not seem to discourage Orion, and so I let it go. Meantime he was borrowing a hundred dollars per month of me regularly, month by month. Now to show Orion's stern and rigid business ways, and he really prided himself on his large business capacities, the moment he received the advance of a hundred dollars at the beginning of each month he sent me his note for the amount, and with it he sent 
out of that money three months interest on the hundred dollars at six per cent per annum these notes being always for three months i did not keep them of course they were of no value to anybody as i say he always sent a detailed statement of the month's profit and loss on the chickens at least the month's loss on the chickens and this detailed statement included the various items of expense corn for the chickens a bonnet for the wife boots for himself and so on even car fares and the weekly contribution of ten cents to help out the missionaries who were trying to damn the chinese after a plan not satisfactory to those people but at last when among those details i found twenty-five dollars for pew-rent i struck i told him to change his religion and sell the pew End of section forty one thursday april fifth nineteen o six